You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of August. First, I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my friend and partner, Jim Allen. How you doing, man? Well, it's Sunday. We we have made it as far as Sunday, and thank goodness. <laughs> we don't have to cancel any podcasts because of coronavirus. That's good. Yeah, well, that's a giant step forward. <laughs> like I said, I see any uh, Yomiuri Giants coming my way. I just make a I U turn and make a beeline the opposite way right I now. Yeah, you'll be yeah. wondering. You'll be you see you get too close to the Giants, you'll be wondering where your infielders are. <laughs> I'll be wondering where every well, I'll know where everybody is. There, it's secluded. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, they say. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to call off six games here. Is that and plus they had the All Star break, and they still had six games yeah, canceled. Um, so that's uh, this is bad. <laughs> it is. It's ten days now that they haven't played, and now they've got they've they've got uh, about a third of all the coronavirus absences, uh, missed games so far this year, and a third of the MPBs missed games. Yeah. Yeah, I think wow. the, I think the PL there were seven. There have been seven, and there have been now twelve in the Central League, of which six are the Giants. Wow! And yeah. from the report yesterday, it didn't sound very promising that they were going to be able to play any time in the near future. Right, and we had t- talks of maybe getting double headers on the on the schedule because they want to finish out the schedule. And those games are going to really mean something to the Giants, unless the Dragons keep playing the way they did this weekend, which I doubt, but. Interesting, interesting. But on this yeah. week's show, we've got a chat with first-year Lions import Jansen Witty. We're going to talk about the All-Star Games. We've got our mini-track segment, and we'll handle some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases! All right, so the Lions have easily been uh, the best team I've dealt with during the pandemic. Kameda-san, she has been very helpful in the PR department, even offering up names of players for us to interview. She's like, we've got more. <laughs> She's got, we've got four players, and they're all com- uh, contributing, and we've got some more guys on the farm. Uh, so please call anytime. So we might have a, a few more lions on the show before the season is over. But I did get to talk to Jansen on Wednesday, and uh, the Wi-Fi at times was pretty spotty. That was the only drawback in this thing, and I had to actually even erase some of his comments because they just were not discernible. So I apologize for that. I hope it can improve over time. But we certainly appreciate the way the lions have. Uh, handled the media. And as for Jansen, you know, I asked him uh, how to pronounce his name and, and and I asked him about his name, Jansen, even not not so much the witty part, but uh, his first name, which is pretty unique. And he said, there's no great story about it. He just said his father liked it. And so I, I told Jansen about the 1970s actor, Peter Jansen, whom mm. I recalled you know, from my childhood. And sure. I thought, wow, well, this guy was a really good looking guy. He always had some evil thing or a hero role in these movies, but these action films, um, sometimes opposite Charles Bronson. And as far as I remember, and I was a little kid, so I don't, I don't really remember if I'm mixing movies together or not. Uh, well, but... that's good. I'm glad your memory hasn't really degraded too much. 
<laughs> degraded. <laughs> My memory, yeah, for some things is excellent, but uh, when it comes to 70s movies, uh, it was not so much my memory. It's what I could comprehend at the time because I, I was a little kid. So, But anyway, uh, Woody, I don't know that he profiles per se as a slugger or a base dealer or a defensive wizard or anything in particular, but he's a really credible player. And I think we've seen a, a lot of that. And he talks about that. And I love his answer that you'll hear about when I ask him what kind of player or how he would describe himself. And he is, again, making contributions and probably has the potential to play different kinds of uh, uh, positions, hit pitches in different locations, just kind of give you whatever you need on the baseball field at a, uh, at any given time. And he's another great guy the Lions have found. I don't know where they're getting all these fabulous human beings, but he's uh, a quality guy and um, this is kind of a, a different interview from the two emotional chats that we had with the Lions, Zach Neal and Reed Garrett last year. We more upbeat this year. So let's take a listen to Jansen Witte. All right. We're sitting down with Jansen Witte of the Lions. And thank you very much for send, taking the time to sit down with us. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. So now some injury or an injury. I don't, I don't remember because I remember you got on the the hero interview, I think, was up there in Sendai against the Eagles, and you're talking about how injuries had slowed you down at the beginning of the season, but you're back and playing well, obviously. But what slowed you down at the start of the season? Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so kind of bad timing. Um, you know, I was playing on the farm and was ready to come up, came up, played for a few weeks. And as I started kind of feeling good, we were in Osaka, and I made a play on defense and just felt my hip kind of pop. Um, so I wasn't really sure what happened, but I knew it wasn't quite right. Um, so had in the bat after that, was lucky enough to hit a double down the line, and I hobbled the second, and we knew something was wrong. So um, we got an x-ray. I had partially torn my hip flexor, so I missed, I think I was out like eight ga- or eight weeks without games. So, um, But it's all good. I mean, luckily it happened early rather than late. So um, we're back and, and feeling good and feeling strong. So so. Good. Now, you recently have been getting that regular playing time, so what should fans expect to see from you defensively as well as on the offensive side? I mean, i got to give credit to our front office and, and our, our Kontaku here for giving me opportunities. Um, if you look at my stat line, I mean, it's it's nothing, nothing to be too proud of as of yet, but um, they have let me earn some playing time. So as far as what the fans should expect, I'm hoping to play bouncing around between first and third and, and wherever – our coaching staff wants me to be and uh man i just come out and give 100 percent every day so i just try to be a professional and unfortunately i don't have a whole lot of tools where i'm super flashy but uh hopefully if the fans come out for a couple games in a row um i think they'll, they'll like what they see from me well i bet you say that to all the guys <laughs> but that's good i mean I, I i like the attitude uh we talk to a lot of players here and they say hey look um you know, I don't have any one thing that's going to keep me in the lineup every day, but I have a lot of things that will keep me in the lineup every day. And I, I like that. I like versatility and I like a player who's not just one-dimensional. So besides getting used to the pitching and the strike zone, how has that transition to NPV been for you this year? Yeah, I mean, it's an adjustment. It's it's a lot of little differences that, you know, anybody that you've talked to uh, that has played over here or guys that want to help you out it's uh it's like hey it's, it's kind of hard to explain until you come over here 
there's the biggest differences for me is that we're used to having kind of a batting cage where you've got time each day to kind of groove your swing and and do your thing and here um guys don't really do that they do a little tee and and, and front toss for a bp and that's about it so um i've found a way um i'm here with our translator now and he's been awesome with getting here early with uh o'grady and myself we run over to back used to from back home and there has been things that have been adjustments for sure, but we're definitely, I think we're starting to settle in more into that. All right. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit there, but I, I think I get the picture. Okay, so what brought you to NPB in the first place? Um, you know, as the year was going on last year, um, I, was, I was in a good spot. It was great. And, um, you know, at, at this point in my career where I'm 32 years old now, um, was just looking for a shot to play at the big league level. Um, and so at about halfway through the year, I started getting some calls, or not starting some calls, but to, to get some interest from some from some teams over here in Japan and maybe Korea. Um, and around time, yeah, beginning of December, I got a call. I was in the living room with my wife, and um, it was it was Sebu Lions who called, so... We were very excited. As soon as I hung out, my wife kind of screamed, and, and we were really hoping to get over here and do this. So just being over here and being able to play and have my family here, um, it's been pretty surreal. We all, we're still excited to be here. You have children? We have uh, a baby boy who's actually turning one years old tomorrow. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Props to you for the twins. We. I was just saying the other day, I can't imagine having having twins. Just one, doing one diaper is, is tough enough. So props to you all for bringing up twins. That's amazing. Uh, we had we had to keep charts because we would go to sleep and forget who did what. So we'd have to write it all down. So, uh, uh, wow, that's but, amazing. But, but, but that's what I say to people who have triplets. So <laughs> There you go. I don't I, know. I cannot, cannot fathom that, yeah. All right. So uh, now, what? I'm sure you have lots of friends and family back home. And what? Do, what's like the first thing that they ask you? And what's the first thing you want to tell them about playing here in Japan? I mean, the things I tell my friends is just so much about baseball, but just about the culture in general and just how kind everyone is, how safe everything is. You know, it's pretty cool having my wife and son be able to take the train at any hour and go to wherever they want to go and. I mean, have no concern. I, I really wish it was like that in the states. It's been a, it's been a pretty cool having that just ultimate safety here. Um, so I tell guys about that, and then I talk about the food and just how delicious and fresh everything is. Um, but as far as the baseball goes, you know, it, it's the same game with with a lot of little differences. But these guys here love the game. I love how much they respect the game, and uh, it's just it's a cool experience being over here. But it's kind of it's hard to explain over the phone. You kind of have to get over here to, to see it, to understand it, I think. Awesome. What about well, what kinds of things do they ask you about the baseball in particular? Uh, they just ask about pitching. I mean, it depends who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to baseball guys, they're asking about the pitching, the strike zone, you know, just kind of what the differences are. Um, and my friends that, that aren't players, you know, they just they just want to know what the uh, what the lifestyle is like and, and what it's like being over here on the other side of the world. Um, so I really hope that it opens up and we can get some of my friends and family out here so they can see it all for themselves. But um, yeah, baseball wise, I mean, it's uh, 
there's definitely differences of the game, just different pitches and and the strike shows definitely been something that is uh we are still adjusting to. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's it's the same distance from the mound to home plate, so uh, luckily it's it's we've been doing all right with it. Yeah, I, I think so. And people try to focus on the numbers and the number of home runs and the number of hits and RBIs and all those things I, I often say are just circumstances. The guys are, you know, not every at bat is your own. Sometimes you have to do things for the team and, you know, it, you can't, it can't always be reflected in a guy's batting average. So uh, don't get fixated on that for sure. And I think you've been learning that as well. <laughs> Sure. I mean, it seems like you get it. Um, stats are something that I've gotten more and more away from, whether you're having a good year or not. Uh, once you start chasing stats, um, I don't know, the bat becomes more hectic rather than you just kind of try to be in the moment and, and just give your best for it. It might be a team at bat, try to move the runner from second to third, neck fly. You know, you're not, at least speaking for myself, not always trying to, you know, hit the long ball. So, um and that's a difference here too. The, the balls are a little different. I've, the bats feel a little bit different. The wood. So um, I think if I were really just focus on stats, it would it would be a tougher year for me than than it has been. All right, now the Lions. I guess except for Hotaka Yamakawa, uh, were sluggish at the beginning of the season. He was a madman. He got injured, and then he came back, and he's still a madman at the plate. So. Now the team is right there in the pennant race. So how did this happen? We weren't looking, and all of a sudden you guys are up there. <laughs> well, I think we've got an amazing team with an amazing group of guys, you know, from top to bottom. I've also spent time on the farm. Um, just the the collection of guys and coaches that they put together here is, is amazing. It is seriously a top-notch organization. But I think the leadership we have on our team, you know, you look at somebody like Ginda, Yamakawa, Nakamura, Kuriyama. I mean, you've got absolute legends on this team. So you've got a good combination, I think, of older guys and, and some younger talent as well. Uh, um, so I think, you know, we, we've gotten hot kind of at the right time, but I think we are a uh, legit force. And, um, you know, I'm looking really forward to see how the second is up for us because I think we've got a really I just I think we've got a really good, good team, and um, you know I think with our pitching staff and our and our offense and defense, that I think we've got a real shot at getting on at the right time here in this second half, and uh, I think we're a force to be reckoned with. Definitely, I think you know uh, in past in recent years it has been a team that basically would out hit opponents and out homer opponents and. That has transitioned to a, a different kind of team. You guys, you know, steal a bag here and there and move runners over. And but I think the pitching is what has surprised me. And uh, it's not all the starters because starters might generally go five, six innings. It's the bullpen, and and that has been a bullpen's been amazing. Yeah, that has been a big surprise. So what have you seen? I mean, you're out there with the infielders most of the time. What have you seen from those pitchers? And they just bring in guy after guy and bring up guy after guy from the farm, and they all seem to be productive. Yeah, I think, um, you know, all around it's been just a great team effort. And uh, I think when you look at our offense, our defense, and our pitching staff, not only our starters but also the bullpen, um, I just feel like we're – 
we're within reach of every game to, to win every game. Um, seems like, you know, even when we lose, it, it's a one-run game, and um, you know, or <laughs> we've ended in a tie recently, which is something that's new to me. But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think we're really looking forward to this second half, and, and our bullpen has just been electric. You know, if our starter goes six innings, um, you know, really like our chances with our with our back end of our bullpen, our seven, eight, nine guys. Um, so, you know, whether whether I'm playing defense or on the bench, you know, towards the end of the game, it's always fun to watch when we've got some of our guys rolling out there. You know, I don't know. I just uh, we're all looking forward to this second half, and um, you know, I think if we get hot at the right time, we'll not only surprise guys like we have so far, but I think we are we're definitely a team to be a force to be reckoned with. Agreed, agreed. Now, sometimes, I, in fact, I see this a lot, and I often ask the import players. I see you when there's a meeting at the mound, you go hopping into the, the huddle there. What, what are you saying <laughs> a lot of times, if anything? Man, I'm just I'm patting, patting guys on the butt and just trying to trying to read the energy and just letting them know that I'm behind them. And, uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of conversation going on for me. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just try to let guys know that, you know, that I'm there for them. And if the ball is hit my way, I'm going to do my best to, to make every play. So, um, sometimes those found business can be kind of funny though because sometimes I don't know what is being said or what is going on <laughs> <laughs> well that's what we're all thinking at home is what is he doing in there and what is he saying and what <laughs> but uh, yeah I've, I've heard, a, lot of, a lot of butt pats and nod my head I've heard a lot of similar stories that guys try to just bring some positive energy in there so that's good all right um one more thing before you go, my my kids swim with a girl whose birthday was also this month. So could you give her a shout out? Her name is uh, Raina. Raina, happy birthday! Uh, my wife's birthday's in July, and now our our baby boy, our son, is as well. So you're in good company there in July, and hope you had a great birthday, Raina. All right, thanks a lot. So I followed you on Twitter, and uh, we'll be watching you guys as you fight hard for that uh, Pacific League title and into the playoffs. So good luck. Best of luck to you. John, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. All right, all right. So um, thank you for that shout-out for my kid's classmate and swim school mate. What stuck out for you in this? Uh, it was a pretty typical uh, new guy chat, but it was it was still fun. Yeah, I I, I like that. And I, I think the, <laughs> the thing, a couple of things that stuck out for me was the talking about the strike zone and sort of leaving it, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, figuring out the strike zone and, and not figuring out this confounded thing that poses as a strike zone or anything, anything like that. So a little subtle. Uh, I mean, the strike zone is what it is, but it's not always, it's not always obvious to the people playing the game, what it's supposed, you know, what the umpires think it is. It's, it's a fluid floating nebulous thing. Yes. It is a, con- <laughs> yep. It's a, it's a, the Will Smith said in the movie, it's a, you know, your strike zone is a fluid concept. Yes. <laughs> so, so that was one. And the other one, which is when you were talking about, about how he plays and he was answering, you know, it's like, what do you do? And he said, stay in the moment. I, I thought that was really good because I think that's, mm. that's really the, you know, be, you know, do what you got to do when you got to do it, or, you know, try to do what you've got to do when you've got to do it, which is, uh, which is so obvious, but it's, it's refreshing coming in a country where doing what you're supposed to do 
is not always saying what you're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. You, know, the, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if, if they need you to hit a home run, you're supposed to say, well, of course I wasn't trying to hit home runs because that, that goes against the rules. I was trying to hit behind, <laughs> you, know, you know, as I said before, you know, the guy, uh, says I was trying to hit behind the runner and it was just an accident that I, I drove it 20 rows deep behind the left field foul pole. With my hardest swing in, in my life. Yeah, yeah, but I was just trying to make contact, get on base, hit behind the runner, you know. So so the the fact is you do what you got to do. And and I guess the last comment I would make is, in, and I know we've I've heard your, your explanation about why stats aren't what, why results aren't what they always seem, and, and I appreciate that. And I think, of course, the obvious reason, my, my uh, I understand that people are trying to do things, and often guys, uh, guys go up, uh, only get to swing away when they have two strikes because they failed to bunt. Sure. And various other, re- you know, various other, there's various other intrusions or they're trying to hit a sacrifice fly and not really focused on getting on base, which you know, mm-hmm. makes perfect sense in the situation, but very largely just because, you know, you can hit the ball, the, you know, one season you can hit the ball well a hundred times and, and get 50 hits. And the next year you can hit the ball well a hundred times and get 10 hits. Correct. It's a, it's a, it's a performance. It's a, per, their performance results as opposed to, you know, gauges of what people are capable of. So, and then of course you get, you get a zillion of them and then we get a pretty good idea for how things are, but you know, we're always fighting that. Definitely. Definitely. How about you? I uh, always ask that question, you know, uh, to these first time or first year players, what kind of hitter are you and what kind Mm -hmm. of player are you? And, you know, I threw in the defensive question as well, and I, I just like what Jansen, how he described himself as a player. He's going to do a little bit of everything. He's going to hit for some power. He's going to get some timely hits, hopefully, play some uh, credible defense out there, maybe even steal a base, I imagine. But I, I like his swing. I think it plays mm-hmm. well in Japan, and I was basically looking at Jansen play at third base one night and he made a good play at third base. Now I did see him playing at first base and I thought I saw him in the outfield this year as well, but maybe that was just an optical illusion because I wasn't paying attention. I had four games on four screens and what really wasn't paying attention, but you know, you hear, you hear a guy say, look, I'm just out there trying to win, trying to contribute to do something positive so that the team can win. And, you know, I, you know, I love that kind of stuff because that's that's the way I watch the game. You know, I'm watching who is who is making that throw. Like I, I for instance, I saw a game tonight. Uh, a player got a ball and threw through home to home plate when he had no chance in God's green earth to get the runner out and allowed the runner who had gotten a hit to move up an extra base. And the the worst thing about it was the throw almost got away from the catcher and allowed that runner or said runner to go to third. So those are the things I look at because I think the next batter got a hit and that runner subsequently scored. And I just say, well, why are you throwing home when you have no chance to to get those plays? You got to be heady. You have to be savvy out there. You have to watch the game. And I know it looks good to try to get a runner out at, at the plate. Maybe he'll trip and fall. There's all kinds of uh, things that could happen. It's, we talked about the high level math when you're at second base and you're maybe contemplating running to third 
on a ball that's hit to the left side. And I, I think it's the same. You you really have to do all the math in your head before you just go out there running around. But uh, so to speak, I, 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 I know it's not possible. You just have to make a judgment call. But it just sounds like he's out there thinking through the game as well as playing it. And that's what I liked about him. And uh, it was funny because before we actually started this interview, usually when I sit down with these first year guys, I tell them about myself. And before I could even start, Jansen starts asking me questions. Where are you based? And and how long have you been out here? And and he started interviewing me, so to speak. So it was really funny. And uh, we were having a good conversation, but we also had to get the interview in. And, you know, as you know, the PR people and the, uh, the interpreter and everyone's listening, which is sometimes why I don't like these kinds of, quote unquote, sanitized interviews. But that's the way it goes in pandemic world. So <laughs> there's not much you can do, but we had to get it going. We didn't have time to shoot the breeze because I told him, you know, 15 to 20 minutes was all that we needed. Uh, I also liked what Jansen said about the, you know, going to the pitcher huddles on the mound. And and mm-hmm. I keep asking that question and I'm, I'm sure one day I'm going to get a different answer. But for now, I need to I need to kind of shelve that question, I guess, because everyone says I, I just try to go there and be positive and uh, but but pets and all that other stuff. But I, I always feel like those players, you know, they're going to the mound with everybody out of habit because they really are not going to say anything and <laughs> they really don't understand much. And that's exactly what's going on out there. I imagined it when I'm watching TV and and, and Jansen made it come true for me. Uh, of course, we know that because I'm, I'm just wondering who would be out there to tell them what's going on anyway. And I guess only if there's a foreign pitcher would the interpreter also accompany whatever coach is going out there? So otherwise they don't know what's going on except for what their teammates, what little English they can speak. And if you can piece together with your Japanese and whatever player you are, uh, what can go on out there? But I I always, maybe I'll shelve that question. Like I said, but I I always think it's fun because I always think, why are you even bothering? It's just like when the pitcher gets hurt, the pitcher motions to the dugout for everybody to come out and come check on him. When I'm thinking, you know, uh, why don't you walk to the dugout? You know, <laughs> I don't know still if there's a rule against that or not. It just seems like every pitcher, you know, my arm fell off. Come out here. <laughs> well, we can see your arm fell off, dude. Let's let's get you in the back and <laughs> reattach it or something. But I mean, why are you waving us out to the mound when all you have to do is walk to the to the dugout? So I have to look up the rules on that as well. But it was a fun chat. I really enjoyed talking to him, and he's a really good guy. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed. I've enjoyed watching him play. I mean, his uh, first at bats were. Yeah, they struck me as being very calm and collected, and in, in some, you know, with some weird, uh, perhaps weird to him strike uh, strike calls, and but just looking like okay, I got it measured. I use that word with uh, Brian O'Grady as well, but I think that applies to him. He looks like he doesn't look like a new player. And not respect. He looks really unflustered by the whole thing. Mm. And I think that swing is pretty steady as well. I think, sure. like I said, it, I think it's, it plays well here in Japan. I like it. So uh, it's uh, pretty. Sh- it's short, uh, short and sweet. Yeah. Mm. And again, these Lions players. I, I I don't know if they're just if that's how they. If that's part of the profile of the player they look for, but they've just been great people. So from mm. the time we talked to Zach Neal all the way up through 
like I said last year, Reed Garrett, and now Brian O'Grady earlier, now to Jansen. And we're going to be talking to some more lines, so I expect to <laughs> be drooling more over them as we go here. But uh, <laughs> certainly appreciate the time, and it was really fun. So let's move on to making a seamless transition to the All-Star Game. So we had one on Tuesday night, one on Wednesday night. The Pacific League swept the series Two one-run games, two left-handed Pacific League batters hitting home runs. That were the difference. One was a walk-off. One was, uh, well, we'll get to them here as we talk about them. But the first one was on Tuesday. Nippon Hams, Kotaro Kiyomiya. Not really an all-star worthy guy if you look at the numbers and all of these things. But we have circumstances and mitigating circumstances and pandemics and all kinds of things. But he's a popular player and he goes oppo for a walk-off home run off. Masato Morishita of the Hiroshima Carp with two outs and two strikes in the ninth inning and what was looking like it was going to be a tie. Kiyomiya is the MVP. So immediately, immediately, I'm thinking, okay, I want to consider this a career booster for him and I want this to bump his confidence up and carry him into being the player we all envisioned when he was a high school slugger and he came into pro baseball. And when you take the 30,000-foot view, I say... A, Morishita was just serving up one fastball after another, and he just had time to get on one, and he did, and, and, he, and he cracked it. And then B, there's just no pressure in these situations. It's a real fun game, but it's an exhibition, and so I don't think it's going to carry him and boost the confidence and make him that player. What do you think? Well, I think he's been he's been ratcheting it up. I mean, obviously, the 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 Kimio we're seeing this year is a is a world apart from what we've seen the last two seasons, in terms of just his, con- his confidence at the plate and looking like he has a plan. Sure. So, uh, I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it was really needed a confidence boost. I think he's kind of getting it together, and uh, of course, in the second game. We, we heard a little bit about that, uh, a tiny glimpse into that, which is, you know, the thing in Japan is players only have two months off. They have December off and they have January off. A lot of players will have much of November off, but not necessarily. If the team wants them to come out and do sit-ups, then they come out and do <laughs> sit-ups. Yeah. But uh, a big thing is often who they practice with in the off season. And a lot of the veteran players like to take a lot of the younger players uh, under their wings. And this time it was Yuki and Agita took Kiyomiya under his wing over the, over the winter. And we saw that Kiyomiya pitched to Yanagita in the, in the Japan's God awful home run derbies, which <laughs> I, I just wish I mean, I, I don't mean violence, but I just wish somebody would hide it from NPB. And I was just like saying, what happened to Home Run Derby? I can't find it. Oh, we'll have to do without it. <laughs> you know, bury it somewhere. Goodness me, it's a I, horrid, I, horrid waste you know, of time. Yeah, the, the, the NBA dunk contest and whatever else they want to throw out there sometimes. Uh, I, I think the NP, the MLB... Home Run Derby, they make so much of it. I, the NPB one doesn't bother me because they don't take a lot of time, and oh, fair enough. It's, you know it's 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 pretty harmless. But yeah, I, I yeah. hear you. 
I would, I mean, I, I like what they do in Korea where the Korea and Taiwan, where they have more skills contests, you know, have a, have something throwing and running, you know, that's fun stuff, throwing and running, sure. just hitting sure. the ball as, as many times as you can. It's so much like practice. You know, I watched the MLB, I watched the MLB home run derby uh, last year when Otani was the first time I've ever watched it. And I was amazed by how much it looked like Japanese batting practice. You know, yeah. it's just guys take swinging over and over and again. I go, what are they trying to get a thousand swings? Is that the plan? See who practices the most, as, as Bob Whiting has suggested. You know, decide <laughs> dependent by that. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's a weird thing. I don't like it. Uh, but and I I don't like the All Star games for a couple of reasons. One is you know we have interleague play now, so it's not that interesting to see the guys playing against each other. I do like it because we get to see the player, you know, the, all the stars from the same league on the same team talking to each other and sharing stuff with guys from the other league. And that's kind of fun. I like that. It's kind of a humanistic view of the game. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, as you said, with Marista, he was just pumping fastballs in there, you know, just to show very often I want to throw, you know, they ask the players, what do you want to do in the All-Star game? And they say, I want to throw it as hard as I can. I want to see if I can set a personal <laughs> speed record because. Yes. And they and, all somehow make that kind of voice. And they no, nobody does. That's I wanted to be neutral. And then the, the hitters say, I want to swing as hard as I can from the heels and see how far I can hit it. And I'm saying, yeah, but that has nothing to do with baseball. Baseball isn't about swinging as hard as you can and throwing as hard as you can. It's about winning games. You know, it's about playing to win and doing, you know, and outwitting the other guy and being a quicker thinker than the other guy, not, you know, showing off. <laughs> so so I, I really despise it uh, for that reason. And I think despise is probably the accurate word. I guess I don't quite hate it, but despise yeah. is okay. Yeah, I hear you with the with interleague going on now. I think it should be it should be shaved down to one game. Oh, yeah, sure. I don't think we need two games anymore. And and that would alleviate that. I think, it, you know, the two games situation alleviates the the snub issue because we always talk about guys who are left off. And I, I don't feel like they're just they're snubs. They're just guys who didn't make it this year or that mm. particular year. I don't know why or who started this thing with the snubbing. And, uh, well, this guy has comparable stats to this guy. Well, only one guy gets in, so and it's voted on. So it's not a snub. It's just that they, they didn't make it. I, um, I like I like the way they select. The one thing I think Japan does right is the players. Yeah. Vote, where the players can fill in guys who the fans left off. Sure. I like that. But yeah. that's about it. That's That's perhaps the one thing I like. <laughs> And then just play one game and just like the major leagues does, just start shifting guys in and out. And honestly, we, we do care about who wins up until the point where the game's over. And then we don't care anymore because, mm -hmm. you know, yep. it's an exhibition because, game so, exactly. and it doesn't mean anything. So, uh, so three, two in the first game, that's the Pacific league won that one game two on Wednesday night, the Pacific league won two to one. And it was honestly great to see Roki Sasaki, out on the mound again, and he got some good practice. That was good, thing, the, the best thing, because he has been out with that blister, and we haven't been having our uh, rocking with Roki segment on the show. So he gave up a run. He gave up. Uh, he threw a bunch of fastballs as well, and ended up giving up a run. And the only thing I'm really going to take away from this game, though, is the fact that Hiromi Ito of the of the fighters in the eighth inning chucked a few Ephis pitches for the fans, and you know we had Shogo Sakakura. Uh, he took a 
big man swing at one of them and he flew, he flew out and then Diane Viciedo, he took a big man swing and he flied out. So those balls didn't produce, they didn't, I mean, they were hittable, they were softballs, but those guys, those strong guys couldn't hit them out for some reason. And otherwise there wasn't, wasn't a really whole lot of action in this game. I found it hard to stay awake. Um, the kids and wife were out at grandma's house and I was home alone and I just, I'm sitting there falling asleep and <laughs> that was about it. So I was glad to see the Epis pitches late in the game and, you know, and eventually congrats to Brandon Laird of Lotte. He won the home run derby and all that stuff. But th- that was kind of a snoozer of a game. If you ask me, I mean, we had Yuki Yanagita of Salt Bank. He was the MVP. Um, he's the second uh, left-handed power hitter to hit a home run that won the all-star game, you know, back-to-back nights. But other than that, shh, um, yeah, the, the highlight was his, uh, his hero interview because, <laughs> because he said, you know, he talked about training with Kiyomiya and he said, when I hit the home run with his bat. <laughs> so ostensibly the same bat hit both home runs, which I thought was kind of fun, you know? The oh, hero yeah. Interview. yeah. So get rid of the games. Just have the hero interview. Uh, now I was I wasn't happy I wasn't happy with Sasaki pitching because he still isn't ready to pitch and it might have set him back and it reminded me of what happened with Kazuhiro Sasaki in 1999 when he had hurt his arm in the first half like in May or something you know pitching 10 games in a row or something and he wasn't ready to pitch and I talked to him and asked him about it. And he says, well, I got to pitch. You know, they, they expect me to pitch. You know, the fans expect me to pitch. So he went and he really threw as hard as he could. And then he was useless for the entire second half when the mm-hmm. base stars really could have used him. And then he became a free agent and he went to America. So basically the last half season for the base stars was washed out because Sasaki had to pitch in the All-Star game. Mm. And what do you know about Loki? Sasaki? Uh, yeah. He's probably going to start this week, but he's uh, the third they're looking at on Wednesday. And But the point is, if he hadn't thrown in the All-Star game, I'm guessing he could have pitched today. So I'm not happy about that. I'd, I'd much have preferred to see him pitch today than Wednesday. Right, right. Well, uh, at least he pitched. I was, I was yeah, actually glad to see him. And I, I, he threw a couple of good fastballs, but you know, he threw what fifteen pitches, and thirteen of maybe ten of them were pretty lousy fastballs. They were just straight. And he threw a couple. Yeah, of it's all star game, man. I mean, yeah. you know, he's just getting his throwing in. <laughs> he's they gearing up for that start. They, they weren't fast, and they were straight. Okay, so there. All I mean, right, they weren't well, fast for him. Okay. That that's because they were practice. They okay. were practice. Don't, okay. don't be so hard on the guy. Why not, why not let you, why not let John pitch then? That'd be fun. <laughs> well, because my what does he throw? One hundred and fifty nine. I'd be lucky to hit a, a fifty nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Although I I went to there's a at Tokyo Dome, a place that has bowling and ping pong and some other stuff. And one of oh, the yeah. arcades in there has a strikeout. Not strikeout. It's hit the nine squares on the. Oh yeah, strike like zone you on TV, yeah. Right, and it also times your pitches, and I, I think I 
threw one in the seventies. Wow. <laughs> that was five, four years ago. I was sometime when I was dating, maybe I don't even remember how long ago oh. that was, but I did that. But so I know I can throw it harder than 59. I can throw it. Point. I can throw it harder than people can walk. <laughs> maybe, I can, but, it, I can, I can, but it'll I can. end up rolling when you throw it. Right. Oh, sure. Sure. Or <laughs> rolling away because it'll be awkward. And it'll, all right all right let's make a four seam transition and hit our mini track segment uh we've got a top three it's it's really hard to pick a bottom three uh i'll start (laughs) i'll try for my top three i've got oryx uh oryx have been quiet i guess for quite most of the first half and started to pick it up a little bit toward the the hotter months here They've been picking it up, I suppose, toward the hotter months. Uh, 14 and 9, I believe. Uh, if this, Maybe they, they won today, so maybe it's 15 and 9 in July. Really good month for them. And what I've seen is, I'll tell you one player. I think I've I really liked this player since I first saw him. And then he had a defensive lapse or something happened under the previous manager, Norifumi Nishimura. Mm. And he got banished to the farm. As did happen a lot. Yeah. Uh, and he, we're just seeing him reemerge now as a regular. And and even as I say regular, they're moving him around defensively, just using him to rest other players at times. But he's a good he's a good player. Um, and that's Keita Nakagawa. And he can really hit. And there seem to be a you know, few areas of the plate that he can't cover. And he hits a variety of pitches. And he plays... Very credible defense in the outfield. He's an adequate player in certain positions on the infield, but I really like him. I think third base and shorter, probably where he's best suited, but uh, he ended up, you know, I've seen him at first base as well. So I really like him. And ever since it seems like he's been getting regular time, the team has been playing better. Now, I don't know how, you know, if that's just a, a coincidence or if that's a correlation, but if you notice, their pitching has also evened out between the starters and the relievers. Early on, the, the starters were throwing really well, and the relievers were giving up a bunch of runs. And now they're both, the starters, at least this month, both right around three ERA for starters and the relievers, so the, the whole team ERA. And they've been looking really good. And then I've got the Hanshin Tigers, who were once as many as 16 games under 500, but uh, they were on route. They were on course to win tonight, and then they got Murakamid. <laughs> uh, he had three home runs against them, and single single battedly won that game basically. So, uh, but they have had a good month, and they're right around five hundred. They uh, they like I said lost tonight, so I think they're what forty eight and forty seven probably I, I had anticipated them winning so I put them at forty nine and forty six so I gotta but anyway uh, I like what Han Sheen is doing and then the Lions it just seemed like the Lions were winning a lot of games every day and you turn around and they're not having a great July overall but I, I still like what they're doing and I definitely like the way they're playing so I'm putting them in my top three what about you you know I actually only had top two because three. The two teams were were really so far ahead of the crowd that I had to go with the Tigers and Buffaloes one two, yeah. Uh, just just they basically you know they won they won games. I like no I'm 
100% by what you say. The Tigers have been doing, first thing, the Tigers have been taking care of the ball a lot better than they did um, they did in the first half. And they were not Definitely. bad in the first half, but they've, they play, made really pretty much made most of the routine plays, which is, uh, you know, really all you, can, all you can really demand of anybody. But they've Correct. done it. Um, you know, they don't lose anything when Teruaki Sato plays third base or Yusuke Oyama's in left field. You know, they can move guys around. Uh, I like the, te- the, whole, the whole team concept. The, the bullpen's really solid. Uh, the starting pitching has been really solid. They're doing, Ooh. they're doing really. I mean, they're attacking, attacking the strike zone, especially uh, Joe Gunkel pitched Sunday, and he was just a, a model of efficiency going after the strike zone. And it really, I mean, it really helped him because he, you know, he gave up some a couple. Of, you know, he made some mistakes and he gave up some hard hit balls, but you know, they were hit to people, and then the other ones w- were e- more or less easy outs. So. I like that the bullpen has been has been pretty steady. So yeah, I, there's nothing about them I don't like. I, I love, of course, I'm a fan of Akihiro Yano, and I wish he was sticking around just for me. But uh, yeah, so I like that Oryx too. The same thing. I agree with you about uh, you know Oryx has had a lot of trouble. They've had you know they they had a coronavirus thing that that really slowed Yutaro Sugimoto down they had the uh, same with masataka yoshida but uh yeah he was out injured and uh, sugimoto the masher i i love what he has been doing as well it's not that i wanted was not paying attention to him because mm-hmm. he has been hitting but uh, i think he started coming around after that slow first six week start An- and then another thing is uh shuhei fukuda is of course like a he's like a swiss army knife he just goes mm-hmm. in and grinds wherever you put him in the lineup. He's happy to bat second. He's happy to bat first. He's happy to bat ninth. Right now, recently, they've been using Yoichi Adachi in the leadoff spot. And this is a guy would like, I would like um, hide the lineup card from him to think he, to keep him from being in the leadoff spot because he's one of these guys who does weird stuff now and then. Um, but mm-hmm. he's kind of flourished in it. I think he, uh, with Nakajima, all that all that weird stuff in his past where he made the casual plays, you know, the botch the routine plays, and and made this kind of really silly mistakes that uh, were beneath him, uh, have really kind of slowly washed themselves out of his game. Moving to second has helped. I don't think I think he's maybe not. I don't know. You know I don't want to psychoanalyze him, but it's he's he's a lot steadier. They move the guys up and down the lineup. Nobody seems to be very flustered about it. Sugimoto does a lot of smarts. He's turning into a fairly smart base runner, which I've been I've been enjoying. His kind of his his aggressive base running's been good. I do like what you said about uh, Keita Nakagawa, and he's a you know he's a bit of a hacker, which is not really my <laughs> my taste, but He's got a nice swing, and you know, and he runs well, and he can, he can again, he can play every position on the field pretty much. Mm. So, you know, that's or it's it's always been Oryx's thing. The last, you know, that was kind of Nishimura's thing. He wasn't ever happy with a player who couldn't play six positions uh, <laughs> because he, he tried to make sure everybody could on a daily basis. And yeah, uh, you know, and and I, I don't, you know, in retrospect, that might have been a good thing. And then now that he's gone, the pressure's off. So yeah, I, I like that. I, I think, and I and 100% agree about the bullpen. 
Um, the bullpen was weird, except for Yoshihisa Hiran, although he's, uh, I don't, he had COVID, but I don't know if that's what's keeping him out now. But Jacob Wagaspak, who, who, who didn't have great, didn't have really great starts, is now in the closer role and he's doing fine. So go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason I, I like the Lions and I, I, I want to put them up there isn't necessarily because of their record. It's more about how they're playing for me. Mm-hmm. And they did have this start that I anticipated. And Hotaka Yamakawa has been just bashing the ball. And we know that he had a, had to be deactivated one time because of an injury. But he came back and he has really picked up. And right now he's just, I mean, seems like he can't throw anything near him. He won't hit it. Um, but I, I'm not saying the pennant is going to be the Lions, even though uh, they're in first place and they made this jog up to first place that, and I call it a jog because I think the other teams, you know, the Eagles were up there. They kind of slowed down. Salt Bank was up there. It kind of slowed down. Uh, the Buffaloes really haven't been up there, but the, the Lions have been pretty steady in their climb. And they're not shutting down other teams, but they're putting up zeros you know, whether it's the starters or some guy out of the bullpen, some random guy. I mean, you know, uh, some of them we don't know or I'm not familiar with. Uh, they bring guys up. Uh, they pitch well. Uh, this guy, this lefty they brought up, to, uh, they brought in today. I really wasn't familiar with him. Takeru Sasaki, he pitched well. I mean, it just seems like the guys they bring up there and ask to do whatever it is they ask them to do. They're completing the task. They're winning games. And so they have this look to me, and I know you're going to hate me, and you're going to say that's silly, and you can't. Uh, don't worry, that. John. I already hate you, so go ahead. Oh, okay. And and I already think everything that you say is silly. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, enough. but but they have this thing that I saw in the Swallows last year when I said, "Hey, this this is different," and I see this confidence that the team is playing with. And when I said. I'm picking the Swallows to win the Japan Series when you know we had that discussion and you said, now I'm going to go with the better league. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that, but I, I see something different. I see something different with these Lions in that there, there's a there's a quiet confidence that's going on there. And I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't, I'm sure the manager is not, has, isn't doing anything differently that he has done since he got there other than, remember, he was going to quit, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm, we had a report that he had long. quit and yeah, he came the, back for the, this season. He's the mirror universe's Tatsunari Hara. He can't quit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's the one who says, don't let me manage again. And there he is. And Hara's saying, how dare you fire me? You'll pay for it. Right. So yeah, Hatuhiko Tsuji of the, of the line. So I, I can't really credit him with a lot. I, I just want to credit the organization because it seems like the guys they have out there, the, the players they have in the line. And I went through their farm lineup tonight. You remember, you remember Yuji Kaneko? <laughs> I do. He's on the farm and he's playing well on the farm and they've got other guys up here contributing. So if they can put a talented player like that down on the farm and, and bring other guys who are somewhat unproven or inexperienced up and I just like what I'm seeing from the team. Like, like I said, I don't, I'm not predicting anything. I said last time out that I was going to change my view of the team and I wasn't surprised that the Lions went in and won two out of three out of Fukuoka and really gave them all they could handle today. Uh, it was all that the, the 
Hawks could do to hold them off to win that game four to two today. So, um, so I'm putting them in the top three. Uh, bottom three, I have. I, it was actually a lot easier uh, when I started to do this exercise, and then it got harder. And it was the Giants. I mean, the Giants have really been awful. They've been uh, granted a little bit of bad luck, and then the COVID, the COVID cluster upon cluster upon cluster breakout that that whole organization is experiencing, but they were also awful in the meantime. They were outscored. Uh, the last time I checked, it was 104 to 59 in the month of July. Uh, it might have been updated. No, it, it can't be updated because they're not playing. <laughs> um, the team ERA is 5.19. They went 5-12 and 12 in the month. The pitchers were bad. The hitters were okay. What They looked like that team that couldn't hit when it pitched and vice versa. And as I said, when all those young pitchers early on did well, I said, these young pups are going to get tired and want to take water breaks and <laughs> have some snacks and go play fetch and all the other stuff. Cause they're young pups, you know, they're not, you can't keep them focused, but joke, all joking aside, I mean, they, they young unproven pitchers and we don't, uh, obviously we haven't seen anybody in 10 days, but I think it's going to be longer than that before we see some of the young guys, pitch and then and then it was going to be the dragons who were going to be next and then all of a sudden they win three games in hiroshima and so i had to take them off the list but the swallows have been pretty bad and part of their issues have been because of covid but they also had struggled to pitch and and do some of the things but again they had they had their share of issues before the covid outbreak and that just exacerbated them but they're uh six and 13 in the month of july so that's pretty bad but otherwise i couldn't find another team what about you um my bottom three are pretty easy i have uh number 10 the soft bank hawks number 11 yeah Colt swallows and number 12 i mean you can't rate them any any higher than 12th in fact i think 12th is probably pretty ambitious for a team that can't even get on the field and that's the yomiuri giants i mean you know i mean they couldn't, you know, they couldn't beat a troop of Boy Scouts, right? Also, I think, yeah, they're twelve. Um, now, as far what you said about the Lions, I'm abs a hundred percent not opposed to what you're saying because when I watch these guys, pretty much whoever comes to the plate, I see. I mean, you know, not every at bat is great, but I see a lot of I see serious grinding going on. They remind me of the Swallows subs from. Uh, you know the past year and a half and i think wow you know there's there's something going on same with the bullpen i think they've got a bit of a a theme going on uh now i kind of disagree about sunday's game because you know they they lucked into you know they they hit two you know they they got two poorly hit balls and a bunt and they got a run and and then they got back into the game a little bit but uh, they weren't they weren't overly into it, but they were you know they overpowered the Hawks the first two days and Kaito Yoza was was you know he had one of those games that you ex, ex, you know well he's never done before he's never thrown a shutout before but he had a game where you know he just throws this slow slow slop and but he 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 was very much in uh, Shinsuke Watanabe mode in that he had really, really good uh, command and really mm-hmm. good movement. And it, it didn't really take much more than that for the Hawks to just get super flustered by about the 
fifth inning and just start swinging at everything and hope that they hit something. Yeah, just assume they're going to they're going to get a strike in there or somewhere. <laughs> sure, and he, it was like he knew, you know, they set them up so well. You know, they they'd miss low and they'd throw high, and uh, so yeah. So anyway, so I do like the I do like what the Lions are doing. Uh, the Hawks have been so up and down. Uh, they've been, you know, they've had health issues. The bullpen's always a question. I mean, it's like Yuito Mori is like the oh i don't know what 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 do we call these um these health organizations in the states leverage you know uh, health uh, providers but he's like the he's like a dream for those guys he's always always something's going on with him you was, <laughs> was his left arm last year a right-handed pitcher who couldn't pitch because his left arm hurt and uh and this year it was something else and now it's covid so I really like the guy, so I hope he does well. But um, he's he's kind of a um, he's kind of fragile. But so I had those three teams. I, I didn't really have pick anybody below the Tigers and Buffaloes. I guess the Dragons are the closest to being third. But there's a there's a big ball of wax. Three fourth, third is close to sixth or seventh for me. But the yeah, I mean, I gave yeah, I gave SoftBank and Rockstan. I gave them. I gave them an honorable mention, okay. <laughs> but I mean, at seven and 12, both of those teams, but yeah, in reality, it should have been the dragons and the, and somehow they rescued themselves by coming out of the break. And, and I'm glad they're doing something different. I, I still don't think they put enough plays on. I still don't think when they know they can't hit, they don't try to bunt enough, but uh, they made, you know, they went to Cuba and plucked a couple of players, including a guy who's a home run king over there uh, in Pedro de Villa. Is that a, de Villa? De Villa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, they have oh, it, wow. de Villa in the Catacana, and I, I, I would say Villa as well, but that's not what they wrote. I, I don't know how. Hopefully, Claudia, when he comes on to help you out, you can ask him about that. But, he hit a long home run, and uh, you know yeah. you're going to get pl- you're going to get players with warts if you a if you get them at this time of year, and b if you get them on the cheap. And it looks like he has two legs, but he still can't run very fast, <laughs> and so that's going to be a problem. And they, he's a first baseman, and they're putting him out in left field. That's going to be a problem. But if he hits, you know, if he gets a hit a game, and you know, times them when they're guys on base. And, the you know, the Dragons remind me of a moped because a moped can get you into real serious danger, but there's no protection. So if you get hit by something else, you're going to be seriously injured. And if you try to stop quickly, you'll probably go flying off of it. So that's not very good. But, you know, they get guys on base so they can get into danger and they can put pressure on other teams and they walk. But they really can't get those big hits. But they did tonight somehow. Uh, but they don't normally do that. And they don't hit for power a lot. So they struggle to score. So uh, it should have been them. But they do, somehow wiggled off of that. Do sense in, in NPB? Because there's, there's only five opposing teams that, you know, they, they study each opponent so much. But, you know, when you're studying, let's say you're – you're in you're a language major and you're going to study three foreign language you know which one is the one you're going to spend the most time on are you going to spend the most time on the one that you're worst at i i think if it's me i'd i'd want to 
push the one I'm best at, you know? And I get the feeling a little bit with these teams sometimes that when they figure out, let's say they're studying five teams and trying to figure out, you know, solutions to certain pitchers and hitters, that they're going to go, they're going to put all, once they figure a team out, once, you know, once they kind of get the answers, oh, this is how we can take them. We see what they're trying to do. And they can sort of get into that flow that they really get into the flow and they kind of lose it again. You know, they kind of like give up against the other teams because I, I wonder if this isn't, you know, I wonder if this isn't a little bit about what we see because sometimes we see these, their matchups. It's not like the players are better, but you'll see teams that just have incredibly good records and, and not only incredibly good records, but they have better at bats against team a and lousy. They look lost against team B. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing or that's reasonable or crazy, but that just occurred to me. Well, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Sometimes I look at it as it's a bad matchup. Other times people say, well, this team has, they have their number. And I'm like, I don't buy that. Yeah, that's kind of a thing in that if you let it get in your head, oh, it sure. can be a thing. Sure. Agreed. But I don't necessarily believe in those things either because every game is different. And every game writes its own story, and you, you know you have control of those things, some of those things. But anyway, yeah, yeah I hear what you're saying. I'm not sure. I I I, I, I would tend to say no on that because there are so few teams; they don't have to do much study. So yeah. I, I would say no. But, but I do uh, I do see team, you know. But you you know those games I'm talking about where they have a particularly against a starting pitcher, and they sort of like have a team. Sometimes you'll see teams have team approaches. The Giants do this from time to time particularly where they'll, you know, uh, they'll like take the first pitch or they'll go after the first pitch and everybody goes after the first pitch or everybody takes the first pitch. And you see that from time to time, or they're going to look for specific pitches. I've seen um, the Eagles do that from time to time. I've seen a lot of teams do that. Um, but I think it, it's, it's really not teams, but it's probably related more to individual starting pitchers. I okay. think so. I think so. All right, let's go to fielding questions. Okay, so this is a continuation from Pete in the Kansai area. His question from last week, and he said, first, what was the biggest disappointment player from NPB to MLB? And then he said, how about the other way? So we did the first portion last week. So how about the other way, Jim? And my criteria, again, to remind listeners, I'm just using I started covering MPB in 1995. I was here and I was watching some of the baseball in 1990, but I wasn't covering. So I, I'm going to start only from 1995 when I actually got to see these guys. Uh, for you, the, M the major leaguers who came here with the big names and didn't have the big numbers. Well, it occurred to me that if they ever hired an imported catcher, the Giants could pretty much make an all-star team of failures. Okay. Okay. Uh, but we could go with Brad Petty, but I'm going with Juan Francisco. <laughs> and that's interesting because he wasn't a big league star. Oh, he wasn't. I, I don't know. He was just a, like a, you know, he was, they were all excited about him. And, and from what I heard, they had no reason to be excited about him. <laughs> And from what we, what we saw, they had no reason to be excited. No, and, you know, and, you know, he hits the ball really hard. You know, he was sort of like a, uh, it was, it was, it was a, I feel sorry because he, he, 
he ruined about he ruined about a month of Fernando Signal's life having to stay in the stay in Kawasaki and babysit him. Mm. It cost him his job too, but uh, the Giants were keen to sign him even after their welcome the you know famous story at their welcome dinner uh, when they signed him. They had dinner with the Giants executives in um, in the U.S. and uh, Juan Francisco basically spent the whole dinner uh, looking at his phone. Huh. And then he came over here and, and he was, uh, he was sort of calling him a disaster is probably kind to disasters. Hashtag high heat. <laughs> okay. So Brad All Penny right. was a, was, a, was a, a valuable major leaguer. Then I'll have to settle. If, if Juan Francisco doesn't count as a major leaguer, then Brad uh, Penny will fill the bill. Okay. You know, um, let's just skip this and go with Kevin Mitchell. <laughs> Kevin Mitchell. All right. So Kevin Mitchell you start had a grand slam. It. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip it all and just go with Kevin, Kevin Mitchell. He had a grand slam and, and his highlight. I mean, he actually played really well for a couple of weeks and then just decided Japan really wasn't for him and left. And he was with the Yomiri Giants as well. No, he was with the. He was actually with the soft the uh, Dai Hawks. Oh, okay. And he he didn't, he didn't last very long, huh? No, he had a grand slam in his first at bat on opening day. When was that? Do you remember what year? In the nineties, huh? It was in the nineties, and I want to say it was Sadaharo's O's first man, game as manager, so probably nineteen ninety five. All right. Yeah, I. I I think I was here in Japan. I just wasn't, and he was Pacific League guy, so um, I, I, I didn't pay as much attention. And it wasn't easy back in the '90s. People with no internet, let me tell you, <laughs> not easy yeah, he at played all. Thirty. He actually played 37 games in which he hit eight home runs and he batted 300 with a 389 on. But he just didn't. He just didn't like. He didn't enjoy the experience, and he. Uh, he went AWOL. <laughs> he, you know, he, he like disappeared to see his friends who were, you know, like at the one of the military bases. And, nice. Uh, and the Hawks were said, like, come back, you're forgiven. And he said, What do you mean I'm forgiven? You know, and Kevin Kevin had an edge. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I, I don't know, I have a list of, of three guys. I, I okay. couldn't pick from among these guys, but I think when Kevin Euclid came over to the Eagles. Mm. I had really high expectations, and I remember saying to you, let's go talk to Kevin Euclid early in the season mm. before he gets hurt and disappears. And he was hurt when we spoke to him. I think he played a little bit, not so much, and then he was gone. Uh, I went to talk we, to him on opening day, and he said, it's opening day, so we've got a meeting. And that was it. That was the only time I ever spoke to him. <laughs> Yeah, and I got to talk to him. I can't remember where it was that I spoke to him. It must have been Chiba. So it wasn't it wasn't Saber Dome. So anyway, I got to, I got to talk to him and that was it. One time and he was gone. So and I think that was the biggest name player I had ever heard mm. of coming over and you know, you mentioned Gabe Kapler. Uh I thought he was going to do well here, but I don't think he was a big star. I think Lasting's Millage had a bigger name than Kapler when he came over to join mm. the Swallows. And I thought he he would have a long and productive career here. And he 
He just yeah, didn't. After his first year, yeah, because he had that bang-up first year, and it went south from there. Yeah, he was good. I'm not saying that he wasn't good at all. I just thought he'd be here for a long time, and he'd sure. be productive Well, he for signed a, a three-year contract when he, you know, that was the year they, after his first year, that was the year they signed him and Tony Barnett and and Coco Ballantine to long-term contracts, which was like, you know, it was like the Swallows deciding we're going to walk, you know, the, we're going to have the manager walk through the streets in Shinjuku and hand out money. It was so unexpected. <laughs> but it, it, it 100% paid off in 2015 when they won the, you know, they won the Japan series because of, largely because of their commitment to their, their imported players, uh, Tony Barnett and Coco Ballantine. Yeah. Yep. But for me, I guess it's uh, Kevin Nucleus tops the list for me okay. and then... Gabe Kapler. Yep, he's is a good in there one. So last thing. Yeah, yeah. I he's talked a good to Kapler right. about that. And he said, <laughs> like, you know, he we had this I interviewed him in spring training and he said, uh, I'm here to learn things so that I can go back to MLB and be a better player. And I asked him at the winter meetings a couple of years ago, I said, you know, what happened with that? He said, What I learned is that if you're gonna do something, you can't have an escape route <laughs> if you're going to commit you got to commit and he basically had a he had an escape hatch built into his plan and, <laughs> and then he went back to the majors and he really did a good job of extending his career after that i guess what he learned what he learned in japan was go for it or don't do it <laughs> yeah he learned something <laughs> all right uh next question is from eugene i think he's in california correct me if i'm wrong eugene but he sent a message via twitter and he said at the all-star break which team would be the happiest with it the performance of its foreign players and which team would be the least happy hashtag high heat jim most productive i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with the giants actually which is really rare but i think the giants i well of course the giants have <laughs> you know the Giants are in this weird position of they should have the lowest expectations for their imports because of how bad they are at selecting them. Right, how much they miss. It's, yeah. it's a hit and miss, hit and miss yeah, situation. But they're mostly missing. Yeah, you know what big names can we get and how much is it going to cost us? We're good with that. And conversely, they went with. Uh, you know, with Adam Walker, who was an independent league two-time MVP, and he's he's been marvelous. I mean, there's been, a, of course, there's been a, a whole core of baseball writers who want to blame every Giants loss on the fact that he was uh, he was wearing a glove during the game. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But the <laughs> the fact is, he's been arguably their best offensive player and their best player on the entire team. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly true, but he's he's in that he's in that discussion. And uh, El Coffee, uh, Gregory Polanco has been a been a, a good contributor, and th they've gotten great work out of you know the existing guys, CC Mercedes, uh, uh, Tiago uh, Vieira has not had had the big season like he had last year. He's taken a step backward, and of course. Uh, Angel Sanchez has been hurt, so we haven't seen him. So, but I think those two, Polanco and Walker, have made the Giants a really, uh, really solid in that area. That's they interesting. Get, they could also get arguments from the Swallows because you know the Swallows get what the Swallows generally get, which is, which is pretty productive guys. Yeah, I was having trouble choosing between the Swallows because they have 
Obviously, Scott McGuff at the back of the bullpen. Sure. He's tied for the MPB lead in saves. They've got Cy Sneed, who mm-hmm. in half of his starts are quality starts. They have Osuna, Jose Osuna, who I believe is still at 11 home runs and 11 doubles. And they have Domingo Santana, who just came back, and he had missed time with injury. But he is a very – makes that Osuna-Santana situation a very dynamic duo. And I, I was trying AJ to AJ Cole's been productive in middle. Cole out of the bullpen I mean, has been productive now. It seems like they have. And what I looked at was which team has four foreign players operating, not necessarily at a high level, but all operating and all contributing. Well, the Giants so could I, use six if Andrew Suarez is 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 uh, healthy. But the yeah, the, but the truth is they don't. They 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 have about three. I mean, CC Mercedes doing really well on the mound, oh, but they don't swallows. have. Andrew Suarez, yeah. Oh, Andrew. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You're right. They could have six. So the Swallows could have six. But um, so I, I, I didn't choose this, the Giants for that reason okay. because there are only two guys. And then with the Lions, you have obviously O'Grady who has uh, hit a home run today, so that makes thirteen. Um, Eighteen doubles, thirty-eight RBIs at least. Uh, I didn't update my numbers from Saturday, but scored a bunch of runs he's provided some defense and and jansen witty is coming along so he's mm. producing he's contributing and then dietrich ends is six and five 2.31 era going into sunday uh six of his 14 starts were quality starts and and don't be fooled it's more often than not that he you know does get to six innings and he you know just he pitches mostly five but he gets to six innings a few times and, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of innings pitched, but in his past 20, I guess between June and July, he went 23 innings and it only allowed one earned run. So, and then Birch Smith had a few strong starts. So I thought it's a really close race between the Lions guys and the Swallows guys. I really couldn't pick, but I, if I had to, I would pick the Swallows guys because they at least have four guys consistently contributing. And that's yep. what I was looking for. Not two yep, guys who good. are maybe that's stand good. I think so. Birch Smith, uh, you know, his his thing has been being healthy. It seems like uh, I, I don't know, like the trainer's planting some kind of bomb out there on the mound when he comes out because he always <laughs> seems to step on something. <laughs> and then the least productive, uh, I thought it was Chunichi because you know Diane Viciero, he, he kind of looked like a he looked like a wet noodle holding a bat the first half of the season. He just, you know, he was up there and he had a bat, but we really didn't think he was going to do anything with it. And he pretty much didn't. And then they weren't really getting anything from anybody else in terms of uh, hitting. Rydell Martinez has been excellent at the back of the bullpen and has his, has his fair has his fair share of saves, but he doesn't get enough opportunity. So boo on them. And then rock 10, didn't even have any foreign players really contributing after, geez, I'm not going to be able to say this name, Jose Marmolejos. Marmolejos. I'm never going to be able to say that name clear. Marmolejos. You know, he he wasn't hitting with much average early on, and then they said, David, he was hitting with some power, but then they said, you know, we need more than that. And so we really haven't seen many of their foreign players at all uh, the Marines, Brandon Laird and Leonis Martin, just really haven't been as productive as expected. And Adeni Echeverria, 
they had him on the farm for a while. They got Roberto Osuna. They got Tyrone Guerrero. But the production has been sporadic, I guess, at best. Nippon Ham, kind of more inconsistent. Cody Ponce, I like, but, mm-hmm. you know, sporadic. Uh, he's been getting regular starts, so I want to see what he can do. But least productive, I would have to go with the, the Eagles. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same here. It wasn't really, it wasn't that hard, I think. <laughs> it wasn't that hard. No. <laughs> yeah, stop making a big production out of it, Gibson. It just wasn't that hard. Eagles, bye. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, so awesome questions. We have, a, we have another one on deck. And I did want to say a uh, happy belated birthday to Jansen Witte's son, Luca. And actually thank Jansen again for saying happy birthday to my kids' classmates. So thank you for that. Uh, anyone else who has a question, send it. And we do it. Like I said, we have a question in the pipeline and it's an MP3. And you too can hear your voice on the show if you send an MP3 to yakyujohn at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at JBW Podcast. Hit us up with the hashtag high heat or go to our Facebook page and leave us comments, criticisms, suggestions, anything. We'll be waiting for it, expecting it, and we will handle it on the show. Awesome, awesome pennant races are coming down. It's officially the dog days. We're in August. It's going to be fun the rest of the way, and you've got some really tight races, so more baseball for me to watch every day. (laughs) Dog days? Are you serious? Dog days. Come on, don't make a bad joke worse. (laughs) Mm, That might not be possible. (laughs) We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark. Dogs or not. <laughs>